Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Hey, so uh, I don't know if you've heard, but the architectural world lost one of its, uh, what I would personally consider as a great scholar, uh, Christopher Alexander, passed on my wife's birthday on the 17th. I'm looking around to see if I have pattern language here on my shelf, but I don't. It, it is in this house somewhere. So funny story. I was on a Zoom call with somebody, with a British architect who was based out of Dubai. And he, so he was in his Dubai office and for like a brief moment, and we're only talking like maybe four seconds, he had turned on his camera and, and so behind, <laughs> your eyes are like darting around the room. What's going well, on? Well, <laughs> so, so behind him was his bookshelf and I could see plain as day pattern language sitting on his shelf. And, you know, and, and I was just like, was, was that Christopher Alexander's book? And he goes, and then he, you could hear him kind of like turn around because he had, you know, like turned his camera off, but you could hear him like turn around. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yes it is. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's, that's just one of those books that no matter where you are in the world, you know, I mean, there's a lot of copies out there. <laughs> I guess if you think about it, like we're, we're, we're selfishly thinking, it's just like, oh, our education is different from everybody else's education, but no. Like the language of architecture, the things that Christopher Alexander wanted to talk about are universal to everyone. Hmm. It, that book never came up during my education that I can remember. I might have been sleeping through that part, but um, we do have a copy here because my wife owns a copy of it because she also went to architecture school and she's the one who introduced me to that book, not not the university. Interesting. So we had to read it and I'm might as well go ahead and admit this now. I basically just kind of like, you know, thumb through things. I learned really quickly early on that. True confessions what, with Cormac Failey right here. What, <laughs> what, what true visual learning means is, is that if you're going to have text, please provide some pictures of said text, because I will understand that far more than like the words. So you don't read the magazine for the articles? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's all the the pretty pictures. Yes, yes. I mean, when they say a picture is worth a thousand words, well, then don't write the words. Just give yeah. me the pictures. I'll interpret it myself. Exactly. <laughs> I'll come you know? to my own conclusions. <laughs> no, but, you know, I, well, I, that was honestly, that was probably the the last like real true like book that I was assigned that I really read, you know, kind of cover to cover. Do I remember any of it? I do in a way and I don't, you there's know, concepts, like don't there's principles it's, that it's the concepts and yeah. principles that you remember because they are, as we go through both education and the profession in our own experience, there's the, just the constant reinforcing of those principles. Every time we like experience either a new project or a new client or a new building type, we're always like reinforcing some of the very simple principles that Christopher Alexander had like put out there. And so 
like to me, like his teachings were just, I guess, because we've, we've been in the profession long enough. It's just like, well, you know, those were the, well, duh kind of moments. Yeah. Well, you know, but a lot of those are the kinds of things that you don't really think about until they're said out loud. Exactly. Yeah. So, so when you say it, it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. But I never thought about it before. But it it (laughs) just kind of knew it. It wouldn't have made sense before it was said out loud or said on page until it was said on page. And then you're like, oh yeah, duh. Right. (laughs) It does make a lot of sense. And I think though, there's a lot of pushback against that, that book as well within oh there was yeah yeah because it was simplified in in fact even remember um the few episodes back when i was talking about you know just standing at my uh standing at my uh, my bookshelf and just staring at all of the different books and you know looking at the dust that was building up on them and so i like pulled out one of the more basic books and it was just one that was written by an architect and a totally blanking on the name of it and i know i have it floating around here but if i start shuffling around i'm gonna just really knock the microphone over and knock the microphone over and and all that other stuff but it was you know even in the preface it says that he he even acknowledged that he's going to get a lot of pushback from the architectural community because he wants to say it in very just straightforward kind of I don't want to, I don't want to like trivialize it to say dumbing it down for just everybody to understand, but translating it, right. Basically it's it's like different translations of the Bible. Like there, there are the very scholarly, you know, versions, and then there are the ones for teenagers and, and they aren't written the same, but but that, that is important. And I, I think what you're even getting at here is I don't even necessarily know that architects were the, the target audience for this book because right, right. Not there. it, It was like explaining what makes spaces feel good? What makes them look good? What what are the patterns that show up across the world in all these different communities and cultures and heritages that that do show up again and again in, in maybe minorly or maybe majorly different ways, but there's still these patterns that exist. And why do they feel like this? Right, right. exactly. Yeah, and, and that doesn't need to be full of architectural jargon to be understood but like if you really want to get out of your echo chamber you kind of have to write and think and talk that way so that other people can grab onto these concepts and understand why they matter because that's one of the biggest failings of our profession is that all of our websites and our articles and things that architects write about is for just for other architects right right so just I realized where it was and it was within arm's reach. So I just reached under my desk and pulled out the book experiencing architecture by Steen, oh, uh, Steen Rasmussen. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, I think that it, was an assigned reading that I also it, did not it, read. It, it, <laughs> funny enough. I mean, I was, I'm looking at my book as, wow, this looks brand awfully new. new. <laughs> and I was, I was looking, looking at the spine. I'm like, it doesn't look like it was cracked open. Right. <laughs> Like, did I just do cliff notes or something? Yeah. But, you know, even he says that, that he's expecting to get a lot of heat from the (laughs) architectural community because he's not necessarily writing it for the architectural community. He's writing it for just people to simply understand and experience architecture, you know? And, And yes, he goes into like all of the different things that we ultimately expand upon in our own 
education and in our own experience, you know, as we start to kind of like explore the things that we just saw in the textbooks and then we, you know, get out and start to explore. But, you know, like these aren't necessarily intended. And in fact, actually, some of the better books that I find on architecture aren't written for architects. They're written for people to understand architects or they're written for people to understand architecture. But they're not necessarily a, you know, and the gable end came into the blah, blah, no, and blah right. you know, and you just, you're like, I'm sorry, wake me up when this is over kind of thing. And, and so, yeah, it just, when I, when it, it just, it kind of hit me or kind of like just, so I might as well kind of announce it a little bit here. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, so I, one of the reasons why I've been looking at like the house cleaning or taking stock of, of everything that I have in my house and housekeeping and house cleaning and stuff. <laughs> Cause you're grappling um, with, you're grappling with how you're going to have to do something with these. Cause I'm grappling with what I'm going to have to do with some of these when we decide to move. And when we decide to move, not cross country, but um, back to my ancestral home, a good amount of, of distance. Yeah. Yes. Um, where, when we return back to Michigan, which we're planning to do this summer. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting is, you know, you and I've talked about this and a bunch of other architect friends of mine have talked about the, about my move and stuff that's coming up and could definitely be a part of like future episodes of like, you know, what, what kind of house strikes an architect when they're, you know, like relocating house hunting things like, yeah. and house hunting and stuff. And, and one of oh, the you just buy that, a piece of land and you build your own, right? That's what all architects are supposed to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> I re oh my gosh. I remember one of the first, so I was sitting, I was, I was being introduced to the coach of my son's rugby team. And, you know, he's a, a French guy who relocated to the States and he's an art teacher and, you know, and so there's a lot of like commonalities that we have and, you know, design sensibilities and things like that. And the very first thing that he asked me he goes, do you live in, you know, an architecturally phenomenal house? <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> He's like, Just did the you assumption. Do, you know, did you design your house? And I'm like, uh, no. I'm an architect. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Clearly there's a different perception. So, and so that like preconceived notion that like we all live in like our own designed homes. We wish. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, we might be our heart, toughest client, but. Oh, absolutely. We would be our toughest client. But it, it would be a worthy pursuit. How, how many times have you drawn, like, so you have your own home. And I remember us talking about, like, you know, when you, when you bought it and, you know, all of the work that you've started to do to it and things like that. And so you, you Start, this, started, but not finished. Exactly. And it's, <laughs> it's that whole like journey of... <laughs> of finding out both who you are what you want what you like and then the realization is is that yeah you'll get to it maybe mm -hmm. maybe yeah. well the, the logistics around all of that are just another thing that you would then have to manage right so even even you're con contemplating moving it's like if i was to buy a fixer upper i mean not even a, a blank slate a fixer upper where do you live in the meantime how do you logistically make all that work? Where do the kids go to school? 
And it's like you start to go down that rabbit hole of logistics and it's like, uh, yeah, no, I'm just going to buy a thing and move into it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because that's Almost. all I can actually pull off. <laughs> exactly, and then and, and then it's the whole, um, you know. So so what I'm planning on doing is transitioning to a fully remote employee and continuing to work with my current firm ASG, who is based out of uh, Baltimore, and I will be in the Detroit area. And you know, it, it's a kind of a win win for for both of us because we do a lot of work in the the Midwest. And so I'm going to be working out of the house. Oh, closer so, to the work. I, I can see the justification. <laughs> I'll be closer to the work. What I'll be mean? closer. Well, <laughs> I'll be closer to some some opportunities for us to expand our reach into the Midwest. And 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 then and to be quite honest with you, actually, that's a great opportunity for that. And we can talk about that in the future, you know, because I I think just this. The uh, and not to get too deep into the thought that I have floating around in my head, but but you know the as we've kind of talked about, like you know, COVID is changing. COVID has and will continue to change the face of just regular work environment, right? Because we've now realized that we don't have to have, as you would always put it, butt in the seats. We can actually do hundreds of millions of dollars worth of projects like I have done from my house, from wherever, yeah, from wherever it is that I am. And, and so will there be some, you know, like sacrifices of being able to like travel to go and, you know, visit the places that I'm working on and stuff. Sure. But whatever, anyway, I didn't want to get into that, but, but what I was, where I was going with all of that is, so I'm going to be working out of the house. You know, I will be, a somewhat of a sole practitioner in the fact of like being working remote, like, you know, many of our friends who are true sole practitioners, but I will have the safety net of working for the company that I've been working for, for now going on seven years. So as we're looking at all of these houses, that's one of the main things that's in the back of my head is like, okay, I'm going to be basically like, I am going to be on an Island. I'm not going to be able to like walk and talk to, you know, my friends, you know, at work or things like that. But this is no different than what it's been like for the last two years. True. But at least, you know, with being in the same state as, as my, my work friends, as well as, you know, just like people on my team and stuff, we're able to interact a little bit more. We've been able to like go into the office and, and, and actually have the, the interactions that we really want and need. And so, you know, so it's going to be an interesting transition because then I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm going to be on a complete remote island from from the offices, and so that is something that I need to take into account. That I'm going to be working from home. I'm going to, you know, like what are what are what is the amenities within the house? What are the amenities around the house? What are what is the type of community that I'm going to live in? You know, if if I was just living in a house and then hopping in my car and going to um, the office every morning, you know, maybe I don't need certain things in a house or in a community that I'm able to just, you know, drive to those locations and stuff. Well, you get a chance now to kind of redesign or to design like what that experience is like. And I, exactly. this is where the book comes in, right? Pattern. Exactly. <laughs> You're looking you. at these <laughs> images on the screen at, because this is how people look for property now, right? Like it's yeah. Zillow and Redfin and all those. And you're looking at these images 
imagining what it's going to be like to actually be there and if it's conducive to the way you want to live. And I think that to me is what the book was actually successful at was getting people to think about their environment more than a checklist of rooms in an enclosure, which was like, yeah, I'm buying four bedrooms and two baths and it has a two car garage and an office. And no, it's like, what does the daylight look like? What is exactly, what does it exactly. feel like? And, and that is like, think about that stuff. I think that that, and, and the, the house is, is part of a community. It is not just a thing unto itself. Like you, you, you did describe it as an Island, but I think you're, you're describing your situation from your office like that. Not, but this is, this is part of a larger fabric, right? And that is the things that you also need to consider when you're thinking about this. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's an Island only from the remoteness of my actual employer. However, what I want to do is find an, you know, find a place where that Island is more part of a community and and part of a larger fabric of, you know, of the neighborhood. And, and so looking back at, you know, what was written about in pattern language and understanding the, the kind of interconnectedness of just not just one space, but all of these spaces and how they really truly work as a community is, you know, because my wife's looking at like, well, you know, I want to be, you know, we're, we're absolutely doing this because we need, we want to, and need to be closer to family. I mean, we, the, it, you know, I don't know if I've ever really said this, but during the 2008 recession, when we moved to the DC area, we basically moved completely away from family that are in Michigan and family that are in Florida. And so we were basically kind of like in a remote Island away from our family core. And so now moving back to Detroit area, we will be closer to family, you know, both my family and her family. We still have family down in Florida, but you know, that that family goes to Michigan as well. So, you know, so there's going to be more connectiveness to our family. And in as we've always talked about, like one of the importance of the life work balance is, you know, not only this connectedness to community, but to your family. And so it's totally made us reassess everything about where we live. We loved the community in Maryland and being, you know, close to like all of this different history and, and opportunities for us to just experience places. But we've, we've long since lost and longed for, you know, the connection back to our family. And so, well, that is an aspect of health, right? And the connection to community, the connection to family, and all of that does play a part into your, your life satisfaction, how you actually live. I mean, that's one of the things that I think is interesting about that book. And I just pulled it up on Amazon. It has 700 reviews. And I mean, it just talks about how the book is wholesome and holistic in its approach to building good cities and buildings and other structures. You, you think about how it's all part of a larger fabric. And I think we as architects tend to get tunnel vision when it comes to our projects as like, that's where the project stops, but it doesn't. It is part of something larger. It is part of the nervous system of a campus, or it is part of the circulation system of a urban area or like, and it, it fits in, in, it is not an island unto itself. It is something part of something bigger. And then you think about the people who are going to inhabit that and how they, how they go, you know, talking about the body, right? With all these different systems, like 
you know, there's parts of the day where the building is breathing people in and at the end of the day, it's breathing people back out. And it's very much this cyclical living organism instead of a, a mechanical thing that even though it has been assembled part by part as a machine, it really operates more like an organism. And that organism is part of something larger. It's very kind of interesting to, to kind of have the opportunity to reassess that for your own life. Yeah, it's cool stuff. It, it that book also makes me think of the 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 movie that we just watched, that, the, Adam, <laughs> the Adam Project. Yeah, and this yeah. a new movie that just came out on um, what is it? Disney Netflix. Plus, Netflix? Netflix. I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, Netflix. Netflix. Sorry, sorry, Disney, you didn't get that one. But it <laughs> not a sponsor. Um, it it just makes me think though, like that there was this amazing house in that and. My wife, as soon as that house came on the screen, ooh, what's that? I want to exactly. I want to live there, and and turns out like there was actually an article. I'll find a link to it and put it in the show notes. Um, but but I think it was on Curbed or something. But they actually talk about that house and how it's not a real house. Like they made that house for the movie. I, then there's there's pictures of the set. They actually like rented a stadium and built it on the field in the stadium. They built all of the environment, including the house, including all of, you know, furnishings and made it look really lived in. And But it starts to go back to this book, right, which is what makes it attractive? What makes people want to be there? What makes us see ourselves living in that? Knowing that it's like I don't, not even real, it looks it sure feels real, right, when you see it on the screen and you see how those people are living in it. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing the systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by an acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Teeger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free, and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass and now let's get back to our conversation you know what was interesting about that you know and if we can somewhat liken it back to 
the teachings of Christopher Alexander and, and what he was teaching in those books was it showed kind of like a timelessness of that particular style. It was, you know, intended to be a mid-century modern. And although I do have a little bit of uh, reading the article that you had sent, you know, it was talking about the it being this, you know, mid-century modern. But you look at the exterior and the exterior is a little bit more contemporary in the way that it's just these, you know, two very clean pitched roof boxes, Gables, wood yeah, boxes, right. you know, gabled ends. It's kind and, of cabiny, kind of mid-century, kind yeah. of a, a mashup of of different things that just make it feel like a really comfortable home. Oh, totally. It, but but the interior was, you know, what <laughs> so well you, that's you, where the people live, right? Like uh, yeah, exactly. the inside you get you look in there it's like, "Oh yeah, like that's where I want to be." <laughs> and you know, in and not to provide any spoilers, but you know, there there is a sense of <laughs> I got to at least say this. It, it, I mean, anybody who might have seen at least just the previews of it know that it's it's about time travel, and that's all I'm going to say. But you know, so when they they show this house and and how people are living in this house now, it is not a central figure in the movie line or the the movie plot. However, it it sort of is right. I, we've talked because, about that architecture as character, right? <laughs> it, exactly. Yeah, and and so. I guess the, the, in reading the article, I mean, you know, there was this sense of picking that style because of kind of like the timeless nature of the mid century, both with the interior furnishings and, you know, just that kind of like overall kind of like atmosphere that was created. And so it's funny is that when the movie started and you said your wife was like, you know, oh, I definitely live in that. So I started watching it and then my wife came in and she sat down and w- she was watching it. And there was this particular scene that, you know, some damage was done to the home and she was just like, Oh no, not that beautiful house. <laughs> she yeah. hadn't even been watching. She hadn't even been watching it. She just saw that image on the screen of a beautiful house and, you know, some, and so we've talked about this before. It's, you know, in these, these big, kind of extravaganza movies and stuff it's always the architecture that suffers <laughs> it's <know>? true <laughs> yeah it's like my son loves godzilla movies and i or you know avengers or something and i'm i'm always so disheartened to watch the buildings get destroyed and you're always he just loves like, it. it's the best part for him i uh i think i, I remember when, when i was when i was watching avengers and you know new york was being destroyed and all I could think about was the the generations of architects and their hard work, and just the just the destru- the just the whim of these yeah these monsters, and and they're just <laughs> and it's destroyed in just like a heartbeat. And if you think about it, like you know those architects and their draftsmen and and engineers and everybody else who was involved toiled over these things for months, possibly years. And they're all gone within seconds. And you're just like, are you? Like, and next scene. Have, show some respect. <laughs> I was like, show some respect. Right. <laughs> Could you please gingerly attack each other in the city? Instead? Yeah. It's just like, can't you go find an open field to fight in? I mean. I think your point, though, about that whole timeless nature of the furnishings and the design is something that, you know, spans the 
it does suit the movie of you know if, if there's a concept of time travel really well it kind of doesn't matter what era it's set in because it's timeless like and i think that also gets back to the, some of the themes of the book and just these ideas of like well what makes it timeless why is certain kind of why is a certain kind of design more timeless than another and in what ways and and how do you notice that and like what what defines that because i think a lot of times it's a feeling it's not definitely something that you could just write down and say yep this is what makes it like that it's 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 a lot of senses combined it's a lot of shapes and forms and things that are probably hard-coded into our evolution (laughs) you know that you again you don't really notice or think about them until until you have to or until you get are given the opportunity to when when there's a book like a pattern language that kind of starts to point that stuff out yeah it's it's cool and they did talk about kind of why they designed it to be the way that it was right they talked about it being a split level again we'll put a link to this article in the show note but show notes but they they wanted it to be a certain way to facilitate the production of the film, right? They wanted it so like when you when they have a camera in one location, you could see through the spaces and by having the split level kind of idea, it just suited the type of filmmaking that they wanted to do in there better. But it's also like, like think of all the split level homes you've seen in movies and, and the way that these spaces are kind of interconnected or in interlocking and it, it does kind of make it feel different way than like my house you've been to my house it's like a bunch of boxes that are very maze-like because this house has been added on to over years and there isn't the sense of openness there isn't the sense of um, connectiveness connectiveness right between between the living and the doing these things are very compartmentalized in in the house that i'm in so you know like i definitely have drawn plans of this house where i've knocked out walls to accomplish exactly that like I'm not going to go split level because I I don't have a sloping side or whatever, but it's like I do want to open things up. We'll think we'll think about like the intent, and especially like reading the article. So I kind of really suggest anybody who's listening to this um, go to the show notes and look at the article. But the, it was a very conscious decision to to do that split level so that you can kind of see the kind of interaction between both the characters of the movie you know, the people characters and the set characters and, and kind of have that whole kind of connectedness because then it's also very open. So it's also trying to show the connectedness to nature, the connectedness to like the interior spaces between each other's. And then, you know, just like that, that interconnectedness of the people themselves, because they are making some interesting points within the movie. And so, you know, definitely watch that if you guys have the time, you if know, you've got the Netflix if you got the Netflix and you got the time, you know, because I was thinking about like your house and when you're talking about it is that like the, the interactions, like the interactions in that house can be very chance. It's just like you're, you're walking through a space because it's an open space where maybe you're going to the front door or you're going to, you know, something else. And this is kind of like, you know, the nature of you know, a lot of open plans and stuff is that all of the interactions are, are by chance. Whereas at your house, if you want to interact with somebody who's say in the kitchen, you have find to find them. It is <laughs> it is by choice, not by chance. Right. You have to physically like walk through the little maze from you know, like say the living room and go through a couple of rooms and some small corridors to like pop you into your kitchen. You know, so you have to make that effort to be there as, you know, like part of it. It's interesting. It is to, different, yeah. 
yeah different way to live and it does i think just make you start to think about that and i don't think many people even think about that until they've lived in that situation or they've been exposed to you know going over to somebody else's house that's like that or even seeing it in a movie where it does kind of expose people to these different ideas of other ways to live that are not because it takes a huge investment right to buy a house or to live in a house even and and you do kind of get locked into the idiosyncrasies of that place and then you go and i think this is one of the things why it it is become it is difficult to actually become a good architect with empathy for let's just say you do custom residential like there's not just one way to do custom residential right there's a lot of different ways to do it and to have experienced a lot of those ways does help make you a better architect and you don't doesn't mean you have to have bought a bunch of houses and lived in them and sold them and or moved all over the place but just to notice this kind of thing when you do visit it and when you do go on a tour of Lautner houses like what or Schindler houses or you know, I'm just thinking of some of the ones that I've been on in the LA area uh, and, or even just noticing them in a movie. So think of it. So I've, um, I stumbled on, I, I belong to the mailing group of falling water because I've visited there several times. And so, you know, you just sign up and you just get the random emails. Everyone's great. Well, and so through the time when they were either doing renovations or seasonal closures and stuff like that, a way for them to kind of like, you know, still connect with people who want to go and visit um, Falling Water or at least, you know, understand kind of like some of the backstory that you don't get on the tour. There's a lecture series uh, every Wednesday that I listen to called A Closer Look. And it says A Closer Look into, or Falling Water, A Closer Look. And then it's like dining at Falling Water or you know, the design of falling water or just, you know, like a closer look at the Kaufman family themselves. And what's really interesting about it is as you're going through, there are a few things that feel, you know, maybe a little bit dated, you know, based off of like the size we're familiar with to be like, say, modern houses or things like that. But for the most part, when you look at houses like that, so like these mid-century houses that there's there's mid-century houses and then there's mid-century houses in the mid-century houses the 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 emphasis on them they're the ones that seem to be like more timeless so you know like the house in the adam project where when you're looking at the house itself and the furniture it feels you know timeless and and when you look at like the architecture of falling water and you see how it, it really does feel somewhat timeless because they're just simple moves. They're simple moves in a very elegant way, but they're just simple moves that actually kind of like really show showcase just the understanding of how the the Kaufmans were going to live on this site as a just a you know a vacation home. As dictated by Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> well, what's interesting about it is is that there was a lot more involvement with the Kaufmans um, on the design of this than probably any of the other like Frank Lloyd Wright kind of commissions, you know, and, and, and it was the case where, you know, he's obviously did, a, you know, quite a bit of work for them um, through, through his career. But it was, it was interesting is that they, they did, I mean, yes, it was his genius that like kind of came through it. Um, and I know some people roll their eyes, you know, when you say genius and Frank Lloyd Wright, but come on, let's just be honest. <laughs> let's be honest with let's, ourselves. Yeah, let's draw that line. 
I mean, he just understood the simplicity of the nature of living and how the interconnectedness of family and everything else. I mean, if you think about his designs, whether they're Usonian or Prairie or whatever, it was the evolution to the open concept floor plan. <laughs> Plain and simply, come on. And, and so, but where I was going with is that it's just like, it, it doesn't ever really feel like it falls out of fashion. It really feels like it, these houses feel as contemporary as the, you know, the day they were built because they were thinking about a way of living that either we hadn't been living in or it was idealizing a way of living that we then ultimately embraced as we started to move forward. Because even, you know, if you look, it's a three bedroom, two bath, you know, colonial open floor plan. Well, that's contradictory that's to not colonial colonial. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> this does kind of get back to kind of this mishmash of aesthetics and function and utility and like all of those things, right. Where it's like, I, I want to pick these items off of a menu and, and make a, a, a bigger recipe out of these, these smaller pieces that, that were, that were designed for different reasons originally. I, I remember when I, the last time I had gone through Disney and we were taking the kids through and they were talking about, I think one of the exhibits was, you know, from the older exhibits, the uh, world of tomorrow. And you were going through and they were talking about, you know, the house of tomorrow. And they were showing like all of these innovations of like what the house of tomorrow could be. And it's things that come drawn from, you know, a lot of different architects and in different architectural styles. But I remember seeing and this was you know like mid early 2000s i mean all of my children were born and so you know it was well after 2007 where we were walking through and we were you know looking at this house of tomorrow and i remember seeing like the furniture of the house of tomorrow and i remember seeing you know and, and people were just like wow this is you know really and, and i was listening to people talking about how you know how modern it felt and how futuristic it felt and i'm still standing next to and staring at an Eames lounger. And, and I'm thinking to myself, here we are in the two thousands, you know, like a 50 year old chair. It is a 50 year old chair. You know, (laughs) it's, it was a chair that was made in 1956. And, and here we are like looking at it and, and, and you look at it and we're like, yeah, that, that feels very futuristic. That feels very modern. That feels timeless. So, kind of going back to you know what we were talking about and like what makes really good architecture of like the the kind of the pattern language that Christopher Alexander was talking about and what this article and you know of this house is is that what makes really good architecture is kind of this timeless fashion and flavor that just makes it not go out of style so it's not the avocado green you know appliances and things like that but it's just something that is simple in form and massing and organization that just makes it feel far more and and that's why when like your wife saw it when my wife saw it when i saw it i don't know necessarily how you felt about it but i was like yeah, I'll live well, there. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> and it's part of it awesome. has to do with the setting. I think this kind of gets back to something we talked about earlier with you looking at potential places to live. It was part of this larger fabric. Like they actually constructed the home, but they also built 
all the, the trees that went exactly. around this thing and the the setting that this place was it was incredible and to me like that's obviously just as important it's like what what do you see when you look out outside of the boundary of the envelope of the building when you look through those large panes of glass what do you see are you connected to it are you disconnected from it do you are you articulating those so that they matter like are you picking openings and and enclosure based on what's going on outside and how the the spaces that you are protected where you're protected from the elements still can connect to those outdoor places and that to me is is super super important and i think a lot of people don't think about that especially in modern suburbs where these houses are five feet apart it's like exactly. yeah there, there's no curation no, of views there's no, no view no trees <laughs> yeah and it's just like it's just a strip down I've, I've heard these stories before, but, you know, you always joke about hearing these stories about like these cookie cutter houses in suburbia that all look the same. And, you know, some dude going out, getting drunk and then going home and going to the wrong house, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> right. Cause chaos they all look and the soos, same, right. Cause they all look the same. Yeah. I'm sure the door locks are all the same yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this key works on that house. I, I don't know how they got in there. I don't but... <laughs> But still, it's a very safe neighborhood. We just, we don't lock the doors. Yeah. See, <laughs> uh, it's all interesting. It's too bad to hear that that uh, he passed away. But I do think that that he's definitely left a mark and a legacy there. And it is interesting to see how it traverses different audiences. It's not just for architects. It's not just for the opposite of whatever an architect is. Right. It's it kind of works for a lot of people and it makes you think i think that's the biggest takeaway i have from it is it it just makes you think about why certain things make a difference when it comes to how you live in a space or how you use a space so as i uh you know so i will talk about my journey of trying to find a space that that kind of suits all of that yeah and that's impossible to make it perfect the first time, but it is an adaptation that happens over time by, by the building and by the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean that to, it's like you make it work and I think it isn't always perfect, but that's also what makes, makes part of that character of a place come alive. And, and that happens more in houses, I would hope than any other kind of building, right? It's like, cause it's your place and it needs to serve you in your way. And I think that's one of the things that my wife and I have thought about moving over the years here and there. And it's like, man, but we've spent so much time like making this place work for us in particular. And there's no guarantees that it'll work like that for other people. Uh, We do think it's all improvements, right? (laughs) But, but it is, it is one of those things where you invest in that, you know, what architecture is, kind of does from the beginning which is make it fit you and your lifestyle your family's lifestyle like a much better way than any off-the-shelf kind of spec house could and then that becomes more difficult to pry yourself away from over time as you do that but you know just buy a piece of land build your own house because that's what architects do right exactly thank you to bqe the makers of bqe core for their support of this podcast episode Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass.
Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.